for tonight. We thank you for your re- the revelation of your word, the entrance of your word that gives light. I pray that you would give light to this subject tonight. Father God, that maybe we see it in a way we've never seen it before, that there would be inspiration, that there would be a revelation, of Father, of what the church really is, the local body, and that I pray that every person's heart would be touched tonight, Father God, with just deeper insight in this subject, and even for me. And I, I just bless you, Heavenly Father. We love you. I'm glad we can gather. Like David said, I was glad when, I, when they said, let's go into the house of the Lord. We thank you for this house. It is such a wonderful gift, a body of believers that we can come together. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I'm teaching a subject called Why Church. Now, Dad and I, we started this Why series a long time ago, and we wrote out a whole list of things. And then a few weeks ago, Dad said, in a couple weeks, I'm leaving. I'll you know, pick one church, prosperity or something. And I was going to do prosperity, and I kept studying for it, and the Lord said, I want you to do church. And um, I believe the reason he chose me for this is because um, I have such a, oh, the youth are dismissed. And we haven't done that since like the 1990s. We used to have a, the, was anybody here in the very first building? I know Melanie May was. Remember how every Wednesday night, every Sunday, pastor would get up and say, the youth, you're dismissed. Oh, we haven't done that in a long time. It was in this building? Oh, wow. So, um, I've grown up in this church for 33 years, and I've had quite the experience coming here. And I wanted to, I'm going to tell some of my testimony tonight, but I want to talk about why church, because we're on a subject saying when you're out ministering to people, and a lot of this is geared towards, you know, I said bring your pens and notebooks, because we're going to uh, study to how to answer to either church people, to lost people, when you're out, what are some good things you can give to them when they say, well, I'm a Christian, or I just got saved, or I'm not even saved. Why do I even need to go to church? So we did why uh, the Holy Spirit, why tongues. He did why faith last week. And why is the local assembly, assembly very important for people? Uh, you know, Easter Sunday, I invited a lot of friends to church, and so I got a lot of different answers on why they, they, they can't come, and they're going to try their hardest to come. And a good buddy of mine, he's been such a blessing to this church, but Uh, I'm trying to get him to come, and he's like, well, doctor said I need to go take some time and relax, and uh, I need to go on a bike ride or something. I need to get out in nature and, you know, kind of, I got to get the stresses out. I said, well, you know, I said the best way to, and he's, I got him born again about a year ago, so I'm being patient with him. He's a very new believer, and so a lot of this series is why I'm doing this, because I'm talking with a lot of friends and people at the gym. I've gotten them saved, and so now uh, we talk about the Holy Spirit, and then I'm like, hey, you need to come to church, and they're like, well, I don't really see the need for that, so you know, talking to my buddy, he's like, well, you know, I really need to get out. My doctor said I have to do this. And uh, I said, well, you know, coming and spending time in the presence of God will get a lot of that stress off you too. God will heal you, you know, and and he has, and I've prayed for him, and we've seen healing in his life. And I said, remember the times that we prayed and God's healed you? He's like, oh, yeah, you know that. I said, but coming sitting in his presence, I said, God never does something that's not for your benefit. He's not asking you to assemble because it's going to take time out of your day. Uh, Really, you should be, you know, the church was a gift that God gave to man. He gave the apostles, the prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists as gifts. And so I haven't gotten to the first point yet. Well, the first point really is Jesus's, it's Jesus' idea to build a church. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, we can go there. I'm just going to read it real quick. It's easy. Uh, he told Peter, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So really, the church was Jesus' idea and 
Anytime that God has a great idea, I think there's gonna be a great benefit towards it. Why would Jesus say to do something that you don't really need or it's not necessary? Like I said earlier, we, in order to get God kind of results, we have to think like God. Jesus is not building community centers. He's not building schools. Uh, you know, he's building his church. He's, and the church word that's used in the Bible is called ecclesia or ecclesia. And uh, I was reading... Um, uh, I'm going to read a little bit of Lois Toucher's book. And the word church is used 114 times in the New Testament. And it actually, 90 out of the 114 times, it's actually in the Greek word, it's referring to a local assembly or a local body. So Jesus set this up. You know, you got to have times um, where you come in and you get times of refreshing. Paul wrote letters to churches. Jesus wrote letters to churches in the book of Revelation. And so they're very important to Jesus to have a local assembly. Like I was telling my buddy, you know, it, it's, it'll do you a lot better coming in here and spending time with the man who created you, who created your body, you're having all these problems with. And, you know, the doctor's telling you to go out in nature and ride your bike and, you know, get all your work stress out. And I said, I think that's good. I think you need to take a break, break from work. And God never designed you to, to work your entire life and work seven days a week and have no community and work yourself to the bone and then die and then all you have to show for is maybe a, a big 401k and then you know you, you abandon that time with your family. So church is a family. And so as I'm getting older, I'm kind of even hating more of the American lifestyle of just to push, 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 go, go, go all the time. And then when you get outside of your normal, I mean, you know, one thing that happened to me is I wish I'd have met Mark Hangins a lot sooner. But, and it's not nothing against the company I work for, but I work for Pentair and I had to be on the road all the time, just traveling. And so a lot of times, a lot of people can't get to church. You know, my brother, he's on a truck, Dan's on a truck, and we keep in contact with them because we are a local assembly. And so they're still plugged in and some people can't physically get to church, but we should have people like Rosie, who she goes out and she drives to their home and checks in on them, see how they're doing, but they still need to be connected even if they're watching online to a local body, because it is definitely not the same, you know, watching online and nobody ever shows up to your house. I created the online for here. And you know, mom and dad at first, when I first did it, they're like, we don't wanna do this, it's gonna make people stay home in their PJs and watch TV. And um, I said, well, that's probably true, but it, at the same time, it can probably reach out to a lot more people, which it has. And a lot of people's lives have been changed by church and via online. But I don't think we should ever substitute that for the real thing. That's like you saying to your wife, uh, you know, I love you, we have a relationship, but FaceTime me. Or your kids move out, right, and they're 18, they can really do whatever they want. And mom says, hey, come home, I'd like to see you. Mom, I don't have to. Yeah, you really don't have to. But what's your mom gonna say when you never come home? So it's kind of like when people say, well, I don't have to come to church. No, you don't, really don't have to do anything. Like dad said, we were, him and I were having that conversation, wives don't have to love their husbands. Husbands don't have to love their wives. You don't have to do whatever you don't wanna do. But there is going to be either significant challenges in a marriage if you do that, or if your mother finds out you're never coming home for Christmas and pull, you know, sometimes maybe, uh, I shouldn't throw my brother under the bus, but what my brother did, and mama started praying. That boy's coming home. You know, he's working too much. He, that, that's not good for him uh, to, to be that, to be so pulled away from family for so long. You know, uh, because as young people, you know, you want to make it, you want to go out there and make money and succeed and and. Uh, sometimes life gets hard and you gotta, I, I need to put in some extra hours to kind of make up. And lately I've realized that, kind of like Brother Hagen said about what I talked about prayer, is that the other day, a couple weeks back, I, I just really got tired of working every Saturday trying to just, you know, I need to get a few extra things done. I need to pay some extra stuff off. 
you know, pay off Christmas that, we got taxes coming up, I owe money, blah, blah, blah. You just work a little bit harder and I'll get ahead. And then you, what ends up happening is you feel like you're just getting further and further and further behind. Just more stuff keeps coming up, more birthday parties keep happening, more, you know, American lifestyle, just everybody's doing something all the time. Eventually I was just like, I can't keep doing this, Lord. Today I'm gonna stay home and pray. I'm not even gonna mow my grass today. That's what I said. That's, that happened that last Monday when uh, I just laid in the bed, my body, uh, I never knew what adrenal fatigue was until Mary friend came and my body kind of started going through it. And what ends up happening is you, you just, your body just starts collapsing. I was in the gym lifting something. I can do it. And I did half the weight and picked it up. I couldn't even pick it up. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is really weird. This is like only 145 pounds. I should be able to do this. So, you know, something's wrong with my body. And then next thing you know, I told mom, I said, I slept five times today. She said, you're probably going through adrenal fatigue. She said, you're tired, you need to rest. You need to emotionally rest, physically, spiritually. You need to rest or you're gonna burn yourself out. And that's just from, um, you know, we got, I got a, eight acres of property, I gotta mow, I gotta fix this, gotta fix that. Dog's running away all the time, you know, neighbors. So <laughs> dog goes to the hospital, gotta run her to the vet, gotta get her all surgery, gotta pull her out. It's just, it, sometimes it feels like it never ends with our lifestyle. And maybe in overseas it's like that except in Israel and the Palestinians. They just sit on top of the rooftops all day and, and do nothing. And there are certain countries that do that. They have a very much more relaxed lifestyle. But I really started saying, Lord, I'm gonna, uh, you told Brother Copeland, I'm gonna teach you how to become prosperous or I'm gonna show you prosperity through giving. And so that's when I was telling Zach, I've just literally started reading. I got prosperity books stacked up by my bed. I'm reading a little bit every night because I really need to get a revelation of prosperity and quit pushing so hard because there's gotta be a better way you know, to do this. And so Brother Hagin says the longer he prayed in the Holy Ghost, um, he saw the more significant uh, financial changes in his life after long exterior times of prayer. And so the other day I did that and then like within, I don't know, just this last week, I, had a, I got a huge financial increase in my life. Some, a big blessing came. And uh, then I also got some stuff refinanced for a 3% interest rate instead of paying 20% on credit cards. And so things just literally started going pop, 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 and fixing. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna start praying in the spirit a lot more and just letting God work a lot of this stuff out because I'm tired of trying to become prosperous by killing myself. But where did I learn this? I learned this in church. I learned this hanging around Mark Hankins. I wish I did that years ago. But you know, back then when I was a lot younger, um, before I first met Pastor Mark, mom's like, he's coming to our church. And I'm like, well, I got a, I got a job and whatever. I used to fly everywhere with Josh Brown's company. And uh, I used to work sometimes two weeks on a job and come home. And I probably had the option to, to give the job to somebody else on the road, but they were such, well, I thought it was good money. Um, it was good money at the time because you're getting paid your salary plus per diems. And I'm like, I have to work. I got to make money. And mom's like, this guy Mark Hankins is coming. I'm like, oh man, you know, another preacher coming to the church, you know. And in the past, that hasn't always been so good. But I didn't know who he was. And if I'd have had that revelation years ago who he was, I would have quit that. I just gave that job to somebody else and gotten here sooner. Because really, you love church and you love prayer. When you, when you see stuff start working for you, like I told that um, year, uh, years back, mom made me come to prayer when I got, became staff. And I was like, why do I have to go to prayer? And that's how I was when I was a kid. Mom's like, we're going to church. Do I have to go to church today? No, you get to go to church. Get in the car, boy. You know, I'm like, so it's just like, man, we always at church, mom. And so I, I feel for people when they say, you know, do we have to always go to church? I'm like, you know what? I was there at one point too in my life. You know, but the one day I got a revelation 
And a lot of times when people don't have a revelation of something, that's okay. They're not there yet. Uh, one day I was telling uh, one of the staff about I, you know, taking communion every night. I don't always do it, but sometimes, and they're like, well, that would just be such a burden for me. Well, not for me, it's not. Because I have a revelation of the blood of Jesus, what it's done. I do it because I love him, not out of religious duty. So when you start coming to church out of religious duty, you're lacking a revelation of actually what it is that the church does for you, and you're just clocking your time card. And I did it as a kid. I mean, it was like, we were at prayer, like Zach said, we're here all the time. And I felt that way until one day I'm like, oh, this is what actually happens when you come to church. And so one day I asked my mom, I'm like, how many songs are we playing? This is in the way old shopping center. I'm like, how many songs are we playing today? And I'm, I'm counting. She goes, well, I'm thinking about doing four. And I'm like, oh, can, we do, can you do three? Because I got a new game at home. And, you know, Sunday afternoon was we would go to church. Mom and dad take a long nap. And then I'd play, we'd play video, me and Jordan play video games all afternoon. So weekends were great. And a lot of times I'd come to church and we're, I'm just sitting here counting down the time. Is it 12 o'clock? We're going to go, you know, sit in the restaurant for an hour with some people. And then we're, I'm going to play video games. And that's the problem is that, you, you know, as a kid, that's just how I thought. You're here all the time. And so without a revelation, it just becomes a religious duty. And you're just really, and there's been Sundays where I've been here and I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to get out of church today. I'm gonna go take a nap and watch a little TV show. And the Lord said, why are you here? I said, um, well, I'm paid to be here. <laughs> no, but he's like, really, why are, you, why are you in existence to worship me? And so he gave me a scripture, I will serve the Lord with gladness. So then I started getting in my truck every Sunday. I will serve the Lord with gladness today, you know. Uh, David said, I'll, be, I'll rejoice when they say this. So those are, I'll rejoice when I go to the house of the Lord. Those are my scriptures that I, there's some Sundays I get up and I'm like you guys. I do not, some, not you guys. You guys, Wednesday night, you guys are the faithful people. You guys are here. Actually, uh, Frank made a good point. Usually people that show up on Wednesday are gonna be your more faithful crowd. They want more, they wanna go deeper, which is good. But, um, and I don't know what I was saying before that, but there, there really has to become a point where you, you just wanna go deeper in the things of God and church ends up not being so much of a burden, but you're actually like, oh man, you know, I really wanna go tonight. Because a lot of times when you're here, you're dealing with stuff during the week and pastor's preaching and then he'll start talking about something and he goes, well, I don't know why I went down that rabbit trail um, but you know, whatever, let's get back on subject. And you're thinking, that was for me. What he just said was an answer. I, and a lot of times I'll have answers that I'm looking for and pastor will just hit on it for a second or somebody will come up to me like Frank and say something to me and I'll go, thank you. I needed that word of encouragement. I needed that tonight. And so, you know, the way that I've started viewing God has just been a lot different, but I had to get to a point where, like I was saying, I'm, you're driving to church and I'm like, thank you, Lord. I was made to serve you. I was made to glorify you. And I really feel bad for people who don't come to church because what are they going to do in heaven? I mean, if you don't even want to spend time in God's presence now, I mean, what are you going to do when you get there? Lord, we've been in your presence for two hours. You know, I'm going to go to the other place for a little while. I, you know, it's just, and I, I think some people have maybe just a, a misconception of church, of how it is. They think when they walk in, everyone's going to judge them. Or my buddy used to say, if I come into your church, uh, a lightning bolt's going to hit me as soon as I walk in. So I had a friend, and I said, what, I told this, my buddy Justin says, why do you feel that way? He, well, he goes, well, I've done a lot of bad things in my life, and I feel like if I walk into the holy ground, I'm going to, like, turn into dust. <laughs> so then, so some of it is just they don't have an understanding of the goodness of God, and that God wants to forgive them, so you kind of, you got to work through some of their ideologies. It's not that, I think a lot of people do, but even me, you know, if somebody doesn't invite me to church, I'm not really just going to go walk in somewhere, and then, you know, you're like, 
you know, is this guy going to hug me or not or run me down or just, you know, like kind of like Zach said, when I first came in, you guys are really huggy and lovey and this is hugging guy, you know. So I'm sure to us it's normal, but it might scare a lot of people. But um, so the first thing, Jesus, it was Jesus's idea to build a physical church, a local assembly. Paul wrote to physical churches. Jesus wrote to physical churches. And, you know, back then they didn't have live streams. So if you weren't there, you didn't really get the message is what God was saying to the overall church. Now, a pastor is to, we're not to get into your lives individually all the time to be in, you know, I'm not going to go through your house and you know, figure out what you're watching on Netflix and I'm, I don't really care. But a pastor is spiritually is to oversee the church spiritually. Where is it going? How are, how are the people doing? Where is, what is God saying to a whole? Because if we deal with you guys weekly, I mean, imagine if you guys came in every week to get a word from the Lord, every single person. And there's 300 people called us their church home, about 200 show up on Sunday. Uh, that'd be a lot, God, we don't have time for that. So God brings everybody into a local assembly and he says, this is what I wanna say to you this week. And you get that bit of encouragement and you're like, thank you, Lord. And then you're back out on the workplace Monday morning, hitting the ground running. You got a word from the Lord, something encouraged your spirit, built you up and you're, you're ready to go. And so the further you stay away from church, it's kind of like all that begins to dwindle and die. And you get less excited for the things of God. And so that's why he says in the number two point that you can tell somebody, they say, well, I don't understand why I need church. Don't forsake the assemblings of gathering yourselves together. Hebrews 10.25. Can you put that up in the Amplified? Not forsaking, or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as it is a habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging it's interesting how he uses three different words for that. One another, and all the more faithfully as you see that day approaching. I think we're getting pretty close to the day. Is there another translation I had up there for that? Now is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. I somehow formed a habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Um, one of the reasons why I want to preach this, and so that's a good one, you just simply tell people, well, if they're a Christian and they love God, you tell them, well, if they really love Jesus and they really care about what he says, Jesus said, don't forsake assembling yourselves together. Um, if that's not enough to encourage them, there's a lot of other scriptures I'm going to go down, but, and it's, that's kind of a negative, yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't skip church, you know, and that's not how it's really portrayed, but a lot of times Jesus is telling you something that's really uh, for the benefit. And I want to get into that because you have to have that revelation because sometimes when you tell your kid don't do something, they're like, why? And, uh, you know, and I believe God wants to answer that because I needed that because the why was with me and my parents. Why do we have to go to church all the time? Because I said so. Get in the car. And so that really doesn't bring a lot of revelation. It just brings more duty like, okay, we have to do this. Uh, number three, it's to reach maturity. I want to read Ephesians 4.1. I want to read the entire thing. So I was having, I had a dream the other night and Mary friend told me that the Lord has been speaking that way my whole life. I didn't really notice that until she said that um, through dreams and visions. And I actually had a dream that Jesus came back to the earth and he was already here and he scared, and it was almost like an unannounced visit. And so there was this huge mountain. It was a cave, but it was a mountain and there was a throne and Jesus was just sitting there. And there was a, a body of us that were there and I'm standing there and I could see Jesus and he wasn't happy. 
and then you look up the scripture. When I wake up, I always find stuff in the word. I don't go off dreams and visions all the time. Like Brother Hagin said, if I can't find this in the word, I'm not gonna believe this. And so there's a scripture that says it's gonna be that great and terrible day of the coming of the Lord. So it is gonna be great to some people, but it's gonna be terrible to some other people. And so Jesus did not look happy. He looked like he meant business. And he is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. First he came as a lamb. So Jesus is sitting in the seat. And I remember turning around and I heard people say, go get the people and bring him to Jesus. He wants to see his body. And then I kind of went out like in this, uh, where I could see everything. And I heard people telling people, Jesus is here. He's at so-and-so mountain. And people said, no, there's no way. Yeah, he's here. He wants to see the body. He wants to speak with us. We need to go. And people were like, I'm not ready. I was going to go to church. I was going to do this. I was going to, I had so many things for God I was going to do, but I didn't have time. It was almost that look of, I'm not ready to meet him yet. In the church, I don't believe that the whole church really is ready because the Bible says there's going to be a bridegroom. Half are going to be ready and half are they're not. The oil, they're not going to have the oil. It's not going to be lit. It's not going to be burned. They're not going to be on fire. Their wick's going to be wet. And I believe that that's a state of people's spiritual walk with God. They're not, they're not keeping themselves joined to a local body. And so I, I kind of woke up and I thought, you know, in, in the dream, someone was like, well, the Lord understands my heart, what I want it to do. And when the Lord kind of spoke to me when I woke up, he said, did you read in the book of Revelation where he says to the faithful church, which we're going to go there, you heeded my word. When I come, will I find faith on the earth? Faith in what? Faith, did you do what I said? Did you not forsake? Did you not leave your first love? You know, did you go out, heal the sick, do this and that? Did you give your tithes and offerings? Do you have faith in his word and what he said? Or is it just kind of like God's word was a suggestion? And so a lot of people kind of see the Bible as like, well, it's optional. Well, right there he said, don't forsake. And a lot of people, they are. And so it was kind of a scary dream of like, man, Jesus is really coming soon. And, and people were like, you know, I, I'm not sure. Like I asked people, is this really all you want to do for God? And they're like, well, as soon as I get off doing this, I'm going to go do this for the Lord. And uh, that's what the businessman said. I don't know if it's the Colgate toothpaste. No, it's the road paver guy who uh, did all the roads. He said, as soon as I get my business right, I'm going to start tithing again. And his business just kept going further and further and further. And then the Lord said, I told you to give first and then I'll bless the rest. And he's the billionaire who ended up paving, I don't know, all that he, he invented that paving machine. Mark Hankins tells the story. And so God, want, he said, give me the first fruits of it, not the last. And so that's where he just had it backwards. But it's really like Jesus said, did you take heed to my word? So the faithful church in the book of Revelations, he said, you actually took heed to what I said. We actually can go there real quick. I just want to read it. I think, let's see where this is. Uh, Revelations 3, 7. Now he's saying to the angel of the church, which actually in the Greek, uh, Rick Renner says, did it mean angel, the minister, the overseer, whoever was like, whoever is the head of this church. These things are right, who is holy, who is true, who has opened the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works, which is funny. Your works actually has something to do with Jesus. See how I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, and you have kept my word, and you have not defiled my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and they are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and know that I have loved you, because you have kept my command to preserve. And so a lot of times it's not really just going to be about someone's heart. Jesus is saying, did you keep my command and preserve yourself? Did you 
Did you come out from among them and be separate? Did you, you know, do what I, do what I had said and asked in my word? And so, um, you know, I think that for me, it just, it's really given me a lot more urgency to get, to, to really um, digging in this book because dad made a statement the other night in Bible school. He said, God is gonna require you to know 100% of this book when he sees you. It, there's gonna be no excuse. The church, he said, my job is to tell you what the Holy Spirit is saying now. And, um, you know, really, Bible school's been amazing because three hours a night, you can go so deep into the word that I really thought ambassadors, I'm like, you know what? Kind of a back to being a preacher's kid. I've heard all of that's preaching. This can't go really any deeper. Oh, it went a lot deeper. And I said, how in the world is, where is he getting all this from? And he said, oh, I can't ever preach that on Sunday. I just skim over the top of stuff. Because on Sunday, you have babies, you have mature believers, and he can, he's trying to feed both. Wednesday night, he can go a little deeper. But in Bible school, I mean, we go, we spent a whole four weeks just on offense. And there's a lot on offense. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm thinking, man, there's a lot in this book that I just don't know that we just kind of skim over here. And so really, Brother Hagen said, whatever you hear and you walk in the light of it was what's gonna work for you. You can't just be a hearer of the word. You have to actually have to be a doer of the word. So even sitting in church is not really gonna change your life. Actually hearing it and doing it and applying it is what changes your life. And asking the Holy Spirit how that happens. So we're gonna get back on the first thing, Jesus' idea. Second thing, don't forsake. Third thing is actually to reach maturity. Ephesians 4, 1. Hopefully I'm not going too fast. I just have a lot to say about church because I've been here for 33 years. So who better? to talk about church than the pastor's son. He tried to spend a lot of his time getting out of church. <laughs> There's gotta be a better church, more anointed, you know, got cuter girls or something. You know, I, I used to hop around to all the churches in Orlando. I've been to church in the sun. I've been to Discovery Church. I've been to churches in Lake Nona. It mainly was just looking for girlfriends back in the day. But you know what, it's interesting is it gives you a revelation of what's actually going on outside this church. That a lot of churches are not really built biblically. Uh, there was a board or some business guys got together and they just made a church and then they just hired a guy. And so there's actually a scripture where Jesus actually talks about a shepherd who was a hireling. He runs because he's just paid to be there. He's not a real shepherd. See, a real shepherd, his uh, goal is to feed the lambs, to feed the sheep, to grow you up. He don't really care about, yeah, he cares about where you go to church, but we're not interested in taking Doug's sheep. We don't care anything about that. Dad told two girls the other night, he said, where are you going to church? They said, journey. He said, stay there and be faithful. That's what the Lord asked. He said, but if you come uh, during the week, I'll give you some books. I'd love to give you some more. But if, you know, and Brother Hagin says, you can't uh, be mad at people for leaving a dead church if there's nothing going on. Or a lot of people, the Bible says, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Or unless the watchmen keep watch all night, if the Lord's not in it, they're just watching in vain. So Brother Hagin told a story about a man who said, you know what, I'm gonna leave this church and I'm gonna build a church that's around my personality. It's around me. Brother Hagin said he didn't say anything, but he went and watched him and started it in a few years. And he said the whole church just collapsed and closed. So a lot of times I remember seeing, uh, I was in Lake Nona, there was a church out there and I just happened to be standing there one day when one of my friends, his dad had started the church with a bunch of other business guys. And they're just hiring a guy and they just keep rotating guys in and out. And so they're having a conversation. And I'm thinking, 
the church was really built around a pastor being the anointed man of God, not as in business guys kind of fleshing these guys in and out. And they're wondering why this thing's not really working out. So, I, And it's really what it is. It's a business. And, and I heard about numbers and we got to hit this much and we got this many views. And I've heard that about a few churches. Numbers were down this week. Giving's down a little bit this week. We got to do something. That's not a church. That's a business. And their whole goal is they're, they're, you know, yes, one of them was they're getting people saved, but really there's not a true heart of a shepherd in that church. He's not really watching the flock. He's not protecting the flock. Uh, you know, the full gospel businessman told him, Brother Hagen one time, Brother Hagen, uh, you know, we really don't need you anymore. I don't know if he was, I think he was preaching at their conventions. And uh, he said, well, really? And they said, yeah, we're just gonna have our meetings and get up and testify. And he said, which one of you are anointed? Which one of you have a special calling of prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the work of ministry? And they said, none of us. We're business guys. And he said, okay then. And I think they brought him back in because they were thinking, well, we don't really need the pastor. We don't need the church. We don't need the shepherd. We're, we can do something ourselves. And so I think anytime you start getting down that vein, you're getting out of what God supernaturally set up. There's a reason he put a church there with a pastor who loves you, who takes care of you. I mean, he prays for you. I mean, he's, I mean, he, dad's get, gets prayers. And I mean, I've seen him praying about people. Like he said about Cindy, 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 she's going through cancer. He didn't even know praying for her because God has appointed a man supernaturally to watch over a flock to keep, you know, it's not that he, the shepherd, uh, you know, and some people may look at pastors sometimes as, as there's some negative things, but mainly a shepherd's job is um, to tend the sheep, to feed the sheep and to protect the sheep. And he's doing a lot of things for your benefit. And a lot of times it's not really pastor because Jesus is the head of the church, right? And pastor is an under shepherd. A lot of times what God wants to do, people go, well, pastor wants to do this. No, maybe not. What if Jesus wants to do it? I heard of a, a guy in South Florida. He said Jesus appeared to him and said, I'd like to borrow my church uh, for a revival. And he said, Jesus literally stood in front of him and said, I would like to borrow my church. And the pastor was like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Because the pastor had been, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. So a lot of times, Brother Hagen was saying, in plans, purposes, and pursuits, a lot of plans are wrong, pursuits are wrong, and the way that they're going about it, the pastor has to take time to pray and seek the Lord about where the direction of the church is. They can't run in the natural all the time, and that's why they, they set people to handle the affairs and the businesses of the church. Pastor doesn't not really need to be going to every hospital visit. He don't need to be fixing stuff here. I need, we need him to be, spend time with God, and then he's bringing that fresh anointing to come to us and say, this is what the Lord is saying to us. And so uh, I'm skipping, jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but man, because I love, I love the church. Ephesians 4, we're gonna start with, um, actually, we can start with one. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called with lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. How do you bear with one another when you're not here? You're not in a local assembly. Can't do it from home. Which, you know, live stream's good, but you, that's, you can't live that way. Endeavoring to keep the unity. How do you keep unity when you're at home by yourself? Spiritually just kind of separating yourself from everybody. You, you can't. So endeavoring to keep the unity in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called, the Lord, one faith, one baptism, God the Father of all, who above all and through all and in you all. To each one a grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's amazing. Each one of you guys have a great grace on you of what when God gave into Christ, he gave you something. He ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? That he first ascended into the lower parts of the earth. 
He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, that's the first one, the work of ministry, edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and number six, to a perfect man, which is actually a mature man, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro with every wind and doctrine, tricky of men, cunning and craftiness, and deceitful plotting. What he's saying, though, is I've given you pastors, teachers, and prophets and evangelists to do what? To mature you, to grow you up. Without it, you're not gonna grow. You may grow to a point, but the Lord told Mark Hankins, there's certain things I told Brother Hagin, go get them from him. I'm not telling that to you. I've already, Jesus is not going to violate a, a chain of command. People think that the military uh, was just created by the American government. No, God created the military. Everything on earth is a foreshadow of things that are already in heaven. It's, it's, a, it's a replication of what's already there. And so Jesus doesn't go over his chain of command at any time. So people think that they're gonna stay out of church and get deep revelations and fresh revelations. You really might be visited by another spirit and get another kind of revelation. And a pastor is to do what? He's to keep you from getting tricked. Cunning craftiness, deceitful plotting. Satan is very tricky. And he's, I mean, he's looking to pull people out. Why does he fight church so hard? Why does he church cause, or why does he cause church splits if the church is really not that important? Why does he cause divisions and people fighting and arguing and gossiping about each other if it, the church is really not that effective? No, because that's what Jesus is building is the local church. And so, um, let's go into this for the equipping of the saints. What does that mean? It means to furnish for service or action by appropriate provision. I'm gonna write, we're gonna write a little book on this whole thing because um, I know some of this, I'm going pretty fast, but we're gonna make something to where we can teach this in youth, teach this on Sunday. But so uh, to the equipping of the saints to furnish service for action by appropriate provision. So you need, there, there's something, it means to equip an army. So an army needs guns, bullets, aircraft to win a war. That's what Jesus says, you're in the army of the Lord, I'm gonna equip you with what you need to go out and to do the work of ministry, right? Um, let's see, uh, equip an army. Let's see, what was the next thing? I think I skipped. Oh, to the, was it for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry? I think the equipping of the saints too is to dress, array, to make ready, to prepare. I wasn't equipped to handle, this is Wikipedia, the pressures of that job. So the next one is the work of ministry which is a what? It's a service. A person or a thing which something is to be accomplished, office or duties. So the work of ministry is actually a service. Three, edifying of the body. To build, to establish, to enlighten, to inform, to instruct and improve, especially in a moral and religious knowledge. So that's, I'll say that one more time. To build, to establish, enlighten, to inform, to instruct, to improve, especially in a moral and religious knowledge. This is all Webster's Dictionary. And uh, if you want these after, you can just take a picture or, or whatever. To the unity of faith, uh, we all pretty much know what that means until we all have that, that same mind, which is in Christ Jesus. We believe the same way, seeing the same thing. Knowing the fifth thing was to until we come to the knowledge of the Son of God. So what is that? That's just revelation. To come to a knowledge of what Jesus actually did. Really, you know, like Mark Hangen says, I didn't need more dedication to God. I just needed more revelation. For me, it wasn't coming to prayer. I didn't need to be more dedicated. I just needed a revelation of what prayer actually did. 
And once you start getting a revelation that when you come in here and God is speaking to you every week and that he's actually putting the word in you and he's equipping you for the work of ministry, you're actually gonna come in here and say, Lord, I'm ready for a fresh supply. Because anytime you're hungry for God and you're, you, know, you love what he loves, he's gonna show up and visit you. And he's gonna give you those things which you need. And so I think that anytime you come expecting something from God, you're gonna get something from God. But if you come just saying, oh man, it's another thing we gotta do this week, well, you're not getting anything from the Lord. So the fifth thing was the knowledge of the Son of God, which is what? Revelation. To becoming a perfect man, which actually is a mature man. So actually to grow up and to become mature. We were watching something last night about the bait of Satan and offense, and John Bevere brought a big muscular guy up, and John Bevere decked the guy. The guy didn't know he was going to hit him. And he said, did that hurt? And he said, no. He said, now, anybody else I did that to you, that would hurt you. And they said, oh, yeah, it would probably hurt some, some small children, some women, whatever. And he said, that's because he's built up. He's strong. He's exercising. When your spirit man is depleted, he's not strong, he's not built up. I mean, the one little comment somebody says of offense, you're, gonna, you're going out, you're down. But the bigger you are spiritually, people make comments, they say, ah, whatever, just rolls off your back. It's just water off a duck's back. Because you're, you're working those things out. You're working out your own salvation. And so then the Bible says, those who love thy law, nothing shall offend them or cause them to stumble. So the more you are under the word, more you're into God, nothing offends you. And so that's kind of the goal is to be a mature man. And um, the seventh thing was every joint supplies. So every joint supplies means you have something to give. Nobody, we know the famous saying, nobody wants to go without a joint, an eye or an ear. The hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. We do need every person for the work of ministry, for the work of service. You're, you're actually to go out and do. So, the, so a pastor, uh, and you know, apostles, prophets, and evangelists, you need all five. You need them all to come in here. You need special services. Now, I don't think you're not supposed to chase the evangelist around. He's not a pastor. Don't follow him to meeting to meeting. You're just, you're never going to get established. You're never going to grow in the things of God. You know, when you walk in here to a church, how do you, how do you learn to walk in love when you rub elbows with, with somebody? I mean, um, I want to read something real quick in Ephesians. We're in verse four. Uh, let's see. I think it's the next one. Nope. It says, um, nope, three. 315. From who the whole family in heaven and earth is named. A family, you're going to come in, you're going to ruffle each other's feathers, but you still love each other. We have, you know, you're going to say things to each other, but that's how you grow as you get involved. You, it, it says that the Lord actually places each member in the body as he sees fit. That is, um, let me see if I can find that out because I'm skipping around. Uh, but he says, uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has set members in each one of them in the body just as he's pleased. So God has actually put you somewhere in a body and you're to stay there and be faithful and to grow. And it's kind of like a marriage, like he was saying Sunday. A marriage is once you say I do, you're there, you're committed if she starts doing something or he starts doing something, you're not just gonna walk out and leave. So God has actually set people in the body of Christ where he wants them. And so I think people need to pray and say, Lord, where do you want me? And then when the going gets tough, it's like family. You know, you fight, you squabble, and then you work it out, you hug, you make up, and you move on. And then you do it in a month later, and then you do it again, you do it again. And so, but you know, the, the feet of the family have to be under the table to receive the blessing. That's what Mary Fran said to me. Your feet actually have to be under the table. Like I said, your mama's gonna wanna know where you're at for Christmas. If she's gonna give you gifts, right? You can't say, mama, send the gifts. I'm in Iowa. 
I, I want the benefits of the blessing without actually being under your table. Oh, Lord. You think mama don't like it. What do you think God thinks about that when he don't know where, where you've been for a month, you know, two, three, a year, a couple years? He, God wants to know. It says if your earthly father do good things and good give, good give, ah, give good gifts, how much your heavenly father. So God wants to know. He's a father. He wants to know where his kids are at. He wants to know how they're doing. And so... Um, the next thing is, yeah, so without church attendance, you're not getting one through seven. The unity of faith, knowledge of the Son, becoming a true man, every joint supplies. You're not getting those things without actually being in a local assembly with a pastor who's feeding his sheep. How do you get fed if you're, if, I mean, your pastor don't even know who you are. The, the next thing is, a lo- you need a local assembly because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Now, I skipped out on one of Mark Hankins' meetings one time because I was offended at somebody in his meeting. <laughs> somebody there was driving me nuts. There's, there's a, somebody who spread a rumor about me that I tried to take someone's daughter and I was going to run off with her to Miami and I was going to marry her in a lope and, you know, just... And it would turn into this big mess. And you think that we don't deal with church stuff. We get on a plane and go to Mark Hankins and we gather with an assembly of pastors that God has called us to be with Mark Hankins and we show up three times a year and it's tough and it's not easy and it's messy and people, even pastors spread lies and gossip and you think they'd be more mature. They're really not. A lot of them are not. So this lady spread a rumor about me and there was another, a bunch of other people involved, and the, the, the daughter was involved, and just, she was like, calling me, I don't know what to believe, you're, you're, you know, you might do this, all this, I was like, I, I laughed, I said, first of all, I really don't care, number two, I would never do that, and I would tell you if I'm going to do it, because I don't, you know, there's nothing for me really to hide, and so it just turned into this big mess, and one year, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to watch online, I'm not going, just not going, I'm just tired of dealing with, I love the Lord, I love Mark Hankins, but all the people that follow him, they're a bunch of, you know, a lot of them have lost, some of them have lost their marbles. So that's offense. It's being immature. It's not growing up, not walking in love, showing up and just hugging him, say, God loves you. Let the water just roll off your back. So I'm watching the service and uh, it was good. But then the next year I went back and I was there with the presence and the anointing. And I'm like, oh God, this is so good. What, a, what, what you know, a little, a little offense, like um, Teresa said last night, you're mad at people for a 50 cent sin. When you had a billion dollar sin against God and God forgave you and he keeps forgiving you and his mercies are new and you get, you're holding a little grudge against somebody because they, you know, something, either they did you wrong intentionally or they did you wrong unintentionally. And uh, that really held me back from going and receiving. And so I think it was Satan's ploy to get me out of that local assembly from going and receiving a blessing. And so... Um, the anointing is what breaks the yoke, Luke chapter 5. Let's go there. I can't hear pastor online, amen, and he's, I'm, he's probably texting me right now. Where's the live stream at? Is he texting you? Yep. Luke 5, 15 through 17. So however, report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now it happened on a certain day he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord, this is where it is, was present to heal them. 
Is there another translation of that up there? Did I have another one? So it was actually saying uh, some other different translations, and this is the, probably the best one. God was, uh, I'm gonna read something by Dr. Rodney. We know that the Lord, uh, the anointing is the manifested presence of the Lord. You can say it is the presence and the power of God manifested. We know that God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere, but it's evident he is not manifested everywhere. He manifests himself on special, uh, specific occasions to specific people as he sees fit. He also shows up where people are looking for him, seeking after him, where the people are hungry and thirsty, and where he's respected, honored, and made welcome. Dr. Rodney out of the book, The Anointing. And so it said that the multitudes would follow Jesus. I think there was a hunger in them wanting more. And so the Holy Spirit or the Lord was present. Well, Jesus is actually standing there, so he's the Lord. Well, no, the, the Lord the spirit of God was actually present to him. So without being in a, a local assembly, uh, there's really not gonna be a presence of God that's actually gonna show up and be present for, for what you need. I'm glad that, um, you know, last year, Kevin and Andy Durant were here and uh, he was praying for people and I, I had a problem on my back and I'm just glad that I was there that night. It was kind of a last minute service. Dad called him and said, hey, you know, Kevin's coming and a lot of people we didn't, didn't really know and it was kind of last minute, but I'm like, you know what, I'm, you know, obviously I have to go, but um, <clears throat> at the beginning I'm thinking, oh my gosh, right before Christmas, we're about to have Madeline. It's like, dad, this is too many guest speakers. This is crazy. You know, you're going to kill me. And so, you know, I get those times too where I think that way, but really I'm glad he brought him here because not only did he walk up and she prayed for me, but then he prophesied to me about an acceleration in my finances. Uh, I mean, if I wasn't here, I, w- I wouldn't have got that. And then recently I was with Mark Hankins. He came to Florida and I went to these meetings and then I went to Ken's church. And sometimes I just wanna go sit in the presence of God. I just, you know, after all that life throws at you, sometimes you just wanna sit and listen to someone preach you back happy, right? So I was there and not a lot of people were there. And uh, Pastor Ken was like, this is odd. Usually we have a lot more people show up on this Thursday. It was like a Friday night maybe. And he said, I don't know why nobody's coming. And it was all ministers, Melissa Swindle, I mean, she goes uh, all over the world, preaches in uh, Pakistan, uh, the Tur- uh, Turkey, all over the world. And then uh, Olivia Moore's there, I'm there, Dad's there, Megan's there. And it's all preachers that are there. And so usually when you show up to a local assembly, the gifting that you have, God, uh, you're drawing on the presence of God. And so Mark, Pastor Mark stopped and said, Tonight is going to be a night where everybody's going to get a rank up. And that's why you're here. Is that there's a rank up in the spirit and it'll be evident. So I'm glad I went and followed that. You know what? I don't have to go. You don't have to. But I said, maybe there's something more. Not saying that I'm going to run chase Mark Hankins everywhere he goes. That's, that's not scriptural. You got to get to a place where God's called you, a local assembly. But when he is here, I'm going to take a little extra time and I don't know what I'm going to get that night. It's kind of like uh, one of those things where you're just like a jack-in-the-box or something, super eight, and you throw it, and you never know what's coming out. I don't know, those old. So with Pastor Mark, you just really, you never know. And Mary Fran's the same way. You don't know uh, what you're going to get. It's like that little thing or the in Call of Duty, the little box where you don't know what gun you're going to get, and then it pops up all these different guns. So anyways, that's kind of how I, I think of it with the Spirit of God sometimes. And so you have to, the, the anointing, you want to be where the anointing is around, right? And so the pastor's office is supernatural. Without revelation, uh, everything just becomes religious. A pastor is a gift to the body. You need a real pastor, a local one, because of that supernatural office. 
And, you know, like I said, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. And so a pastor is a good shepherd, John, or no, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, John 10, 11 through 18. And a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves and the sheep flees. The wolf snatches them, scatters them. He flees because he's hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I laid down my life for the sheep. A real shepherd is going to lay down his life for the sheep. He's not a hired gun because if someone's hired, they can be replaced. They're not really interested totally. They're not, they're not like he just said, they're not interested in the sheep. They're just there to do a job, and then when the wolf comes, I'm out of here. And so you'll see that in a lot of churches today where, like I said earlier, he's just a hired gun. He's not interested in getting before the presence of God to find out really what's going on. So you, you can't blame people for leaving those. Um, Zechariah 10.2, for the household, gods utter nonsense, and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty uh, consolations. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for the lack of a shepherd. So God put shepherds uh, to, to protect the sheep, to keep them. And so God's very interested in, in shepherds because of he, what he called Jesus. Matthew nine thirty six. when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. They were harassed and helpless sheep without a shepherd. And so I'm thankful for the men of God that uh, God has put in my life. Mark Hankins, Mary Fran, my dad, people around me that have ministry gifts, even Frank, just walk in, just, I mean, I'm here, and, you know, having a bad week and just a word of encouragement comes, but you gotta be here. You're not getting that word of encouragement. You're not getting that, that friendly hug, uh, you know, or that word from the Lord, even from a brother, just somebody to give, say something to you. You're not getting that at home, isolating yourself. And so, a lot of times people jump from churches to churches, and that's not scriptural because you're just ripping your roots up. It says that you become trees of righteousness for the planting of the Lord. How, does, how do you plant a plant and they're ripping their roots up every week, going somewhere new? You, you really can't. And so you need to get a deep root, deep foundation. And God may call you, uh, Greg was here. God called him here for a time. And then he went to Andrew Walmax, and now he's got a ministry in Brazil. But a lot, but... Greg would have never stepped in the ministry. He's got long white hair. He's a really cool guy, him and his wife. And he was here Sunday. Okay. Yeah, he's got long white hair and his wife's got, they look like kind of like the, the hippie movement from the 70s, but they're really sweet. And he's, he's great. He's got a bulletproof car in Brazil and a, this beautiful house and a ministry and he's in a, a big ministry over there. But Greg found out on SoundCloud, started listening to the messages looked at his wife and said, we need to get married. We're living in sin. Let's go to that church. They drove like three hours and got here. Then he was in this church, living in, they would rent, they'd bring an RV up. And this is how hungry he was, park it somewhere and come to church. And then he felt the call and he went to Andrew Walmax Bible School and now he's got a ministry in Brazil. But how did that happen? Through a local assembly. A lot of people, uh, I know many people have gotten jobs. Uh, I know Paul, I was on the phone with Rapture Air and Nick said they were looking for people and I called Paul. They hired Paul right away. That's happened to me. I needed help with my house and um, what's his name came over, Steve, and helped me build my house with dad. There's just so many benefits to being, so many of you have blessed me and hopefully I've blessed you. But, you know, it talks about, I'm gonna get into Saul and Barnabas, but where they brought all their, uh, we might, probably won't have time for this, 
But Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. He went and sold a piece of land and brought it before the apostles' feet, and they distributed all the money to the saints that were in need. And Barnabas had a really big part in Paul. I mean, uh, he was one of the first ones with Ananias to go get Paul and bring him before the local assembly. Everybody was afraid of Paul's threats. So Barnabas said, I'm gonna go get him. So Barnabas went and got him. And then Paul stayed there for a year. And then Paul's out somewhere else again. Barnabas went and got him, brought him back. And so Barnabas was one of those guys who would just work with somebody. It says that when Paul, and uh, there was a split between Paul and somebody else, Barnabas went with this guy and Paul went with Timothy. And it actually said that, I think it was John Mark, Barnabas worked with John Mark until then Paul could use him. And so, but what was interesting about the disciples and Barnabas being in that local assembly is that uh, the, the needs of the saints that he would distribute, and they said that he was such an encouragement. I mean, imagine if, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe one night we have a service here on Wednesday night where people give, and it's just like, man, if anyone's in massive credit card debt or you're on your last week, we're gonna, you know, go to pastor and say, we're gonna give this to you. Uh, the, really, the body of Christ should be like that where you come in and there's massive blessing. Dr. Cho, they have these rice bowls. I think you were telling me this in the church. And people come and they give rice. And the bowls go down to the bottom of the church and then they feed to the poor. And when he first started his church, I mean, Dr. Cho was just had a tent, an old military tent. And then years later, I mean, he had multiple multimillionaires in his church. And so teaching him this, and it, I mean, it's a benefit to people to go to his church and to get involved. So many people, uh, you're, you're, your destiny, and that, that's going to be one of my points, but because I don't know, I really want to make the four main points, and I know we're getting kind of late. But um, your destiny supernaturally is connected to people in the local assembly. And so um, I'm, I'm going to skip down. Let's go to Acts 4:23 real quick. We'll kind of end it with this because there's so much. I actually started reading about this, and I'm like, man, this wormhole goes really deep. I was going to read some out of this book about what it is actually that a church is supposed to do. And so Acts 4. Let's see. What did I say? 430? 23. I'm going to go there first. Yeah. And then being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord, saying, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea, and that is all that is in them. By the mouth and the mouth of your servant David, he said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things and the kings of the earth take their stand, the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his Christ? For truly, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Do whatever your hand, to do whatever your hand is purpose to determine before be done. Now the Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servant that with all boldness we may speak your word, stretching out your hand to heal. The signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, not individually, they gathered together and they said, look at what the city is doing to us. When they gathered and prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So God's answering a prayer, but it's a corporate prayer. So there are some things you're never going to get until you get in a corporate body because every person has a grace and a supply. And when there's things I think have, I think this whole mask mandate dropped because the churches are praying. Jonathan Shuttlesworth, Rodney Howard Brown, we've been praying and taking authority over this mess and it's being reversed right now. But unless the church gets together and prays the threats of the, the authorities, I mean, nothing would have happened until that. And they actually got bolder and they went back out to preach again. And so without 
being in a local assembly to pray, just some prayers are never going to get answered. And so the next one, real quick, Acts uh, 4, 32 through 37. Um, I'm going to skip down 36 and Josie or Jose or somebody who was also named Barnabas of the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, Levite, the country of Cyprus, having land sold it, brought it to the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles. Now a certain man named Ananias, uh, nope, that's not it. That's not what I was wanting. I'm going to read it out of here real quick because this is where, where she was talking about it. Um, Saul had come, I think it's Acts 9, 26. Saul had come to Jerusalem and tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He declared to them that he'd seen the Lord on the road and he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming and going out. Barnabas was just a believer, being an encouragement to the church of Jerusalem. But God strategically used him to bring under the leadership of the local church and one of the most important apostles and prophets in church history. Barnabas knew that the key to this new converse success was to be connected to a local body of believers. And it just happened to be the man whom the Holy Spirit would use to write most of the New Testament. Paul would reveal the mystery of the church and the grace of God our redemption in Jesus Christ through his sinless blood. So Barnabas didn't know what he was doing, but he was actually bringing Paul, and actually Paul says this, I am a steward of the mysteries of God. And so his growth was highly connected to a local body of believers. You don't know, you bringing somebody in here, what's gonna happen or where they're gonna go. I don't know where Zach's gonna go. I don't know where this one's gonna go. But I'm, you bring him in and you let you let the word of God get in there and take seed and take root and develop and mature them because like Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so they, Jesus needed Barnabas to go get him and bring him in. And so you're without, that's a supernatural relationship. So there are some things you'll never get. Paul would have never gotten it without Barnabas being and pulling him in. Some things you'll never get without being at where you're supposed to be plugged into a local church, plugged into a body. There is a supernatural supply. There's somebody there who's connected to your destiny. Because if not, uh, if God's sovereign and he can just do everything, why, why, would, he do, why would he go through the trouble in doing all this if he, didn't, if he didn't need it? And so I think the church is very needful. There's so much in here, uh, you know, that the Lord said. But you all have an influence. Every person really has an influence, about 10 people close to them. And so a lot of times you might be here on a Sunday. It may not be for you totally. I think God will, uh, you know, he refreshes and blesses you. But look at the row around you. Who's in your row? I know about 10 people and I do my best to keep track of them. Call them. We come in the church. You know, Zach and Sean and Isaac, we all keep, you know, hey, where are you at? Are you at the gym? Are you at church? Are you coming? And so I believe that, you know, you, you have an influence of people around you. And, it, and it's usually, you know, sometimes it's more, but a lot of times you really can just keep up with about 10 people. And so maybe just think this year, if you discipled one person a year or every six months, our church would double. And it's not that out of duty, but you have actually have a revelation 
of what that, I mean, I remember when first Zach started coming and then, I don't, and then Isaac started coming and then Sean started coming and it just, it's gonna keep growing. And just our friends and we're just fellowshipping with one another and we're just encouraging one another. And so you really need, nobody is meant to be a, a lone island or a, a vagabond just running. There's no such thing as a, as a guy in the military who's just got his own command and he's rogue. No, he goes with a unit. He's got equipment, he's got a team. That's how you fight battles. You don't go out, you know, the lone ninja like the movies and you, you beat everybody. That's, that's Hollywood, that's not real. But I believe that in order to keep uh, Satan from pulling people out, especially our young people that are coming and people young, we have to stay connected with them. They gotta stay connected to a body of believers. And uh, you know, cause they're not gonna remember to turn on Kenneth Copeland on TV all the time. You know, and I, I send them stuff. I used to send them stuff all the time. They watch this, watch this. And that's what the encouragement is. That's what the body of believers is for. Checking up on you. Where are you doing? Where you been? I ain't seen you. It's not, oh, you know, you're always figuring out why I'm not at church. No, just we care about you. We love you. And so that we just, I understand that you're not gonna grow and mature without staying in hard places. And, and you know, you did it with your family or some, maybe not, but this is your church family. And so let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for a local assembly that we, we can come and to hear your word and to hear what Jesus, the head of the church, is saying, the head shepherd is saying through the under shepherd. And Father, we just pray for pastor. We pray that you would speak through him, that you would make room, that pastor would make room for the anointing for us, Father God, and that we would make room for other people that need the same local assembly and that we would come here father not just thinking about us but thinking about who do i need to bring tonight who can i encourage or, or maybe we haven't seen him in a week and call him and say hey where you been i love you and father i pray that you would anoint pastor and and grow him to to be the good shepherd and that we would all father be a faithful and just doing what you've asked us to do for the work of ministry until the day that you come you said meeting together more so often as we see that wonderful day or that dawning day approaching depends on who you are and father we know jesus is coming soon and we thank you we love your church we love your house we love your body we love your family in jesus name amen we hope you enjoyed this message by word of life church we just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our youtube channel to our podcast to our soundcloud and many more events we also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages and it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.